When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Stand By Your Band. I'm Tom Takar, the Wolf of Dog Street, joined, as always, by the Prince of Snarkness himself, Tommy McNamara. What you got for me today? How are you? <laughs> what do I have for you? Tom, I had one of the great... What do you have for me? <laughs> I had one of the great experiences a man can have. I went to a movie with a friend, and we were the only ones in the theater. What beats that? Oh, nothing beats that. Nothing, nothing beats Nothing except for the hottest babe you've ever seen <laughs> the other one in the theater. <laughs> and she is so down. That's true. That would have been a little better. She couldn't be more down. <laughs> Instead, it was me and my roommate watching West Side Story. <laughs> and maybe taking advantage of the fact that we were only the ones in the theater one time by making a joke. But uh, and it's yeah, still still a great sure. feeling. Um, that's, that's a fun time. That's a beauty. That's a beauty. I almost went to see Spider-Man today, but I... I left my car at uh, the Canal Bar where we like mm. to watch football. I drove my car in the off chance that I wouldn't drink, and then, of course, <laughs> I drank the most a man could drink, and I left it there. And then uh, it took me a damn hour to get it today because I needed to go do errands. It doesn't matter. You um, should have uh, You should let me drive. I'm on that Sober Jan still. Still doing it. true. Uh, yeah, Sober Jan hates Sober Marsha. Um, <laughs> she's so jealous of her. Um, well, speaking you are, of how's your Sober Jan, oh yeah, yeah it's been yeah. good. But yeah, it's our perfect. guest has a uh, has a podcast that recently covered O'Doul's non-alcoholic beer because they talk about a drink each week. It's Tim Kalpakis from the Sloppy Boys. Tim, how you doing? What is up? Uh, hey, yeah, <laughs> I had never had an O'Doul's in my life, and uh, I think I like them. I've been I had to buy really? a, I bought a six pack. To do a little taste on a podcast, and then I have made my way through the rest of it because um, I didn't know that if I like the taste of beer, it turns out I, I drink it for the taste. There you go. That's fascinating because I'm like, so I, I'm not doing sober, Jan. I am trying to cut back on weight a little bit though because I gained a lot of I gained a cut lot of back. pounds. Yeah. <laughs> trying to cut back on the weight that I've been uh, the weights yeah. that I've been lifting. I'm going the other um, way. I've been I've been trying to grow out my body. You know. <laughs> Um, I'm trying to like I'm trying to lose a little weight, so I'm I'm going to I'm not drinking beer these days as much. Although I was pounding those Guinnesses on Sunday, but uh, (laughs) but I've just been drinking like tequila soda, that sort of stuff. I'm actually having a Corpse Survivor number two right now. Hey, Um, what is that? This is a this is a Corpse Survivor two. I found I happen to be in this weird ass liquor store that sell that sold Lilit Blanc or whatever you call it, yeah. and I was like, "What have I heard about that in?" And I was like, "Oh shit, it's Corpse Survivor because I had just had one uh, not that long ago and I loved it." But I was like, "I'm never gonna have the ingredients for that." And then I realized I was one short. It was just the Lilit Blanc. So and then it, and now you can make a, a a fancy Vesper Martini like James Bond uh, when you have that. Yeah. Stuff, yeah. Exactly. I love when you just find one bottle that uh that changes your whole game up. But yeah, I've been trying to I've been trying to cool it, but I love I love a cocktail and it's like been my little my little treat at night. I've just been eating less so that I can drink the same amount or <laughs> close to it. <laughs> yeah, you gotta fu- you gotta get those calories from somewhere. Uh, I, I do that I do that too. Where I I mean it's cr- I used to only drink beer and um and then it's like life changing when you switch to vodka sodas and you can still get drunk all the time and lose twenty pounds like immediately <laughs> yeah. when you make that switch. But that's only like that first. You can only like once in your life you get to have that uh, revelation, mm-hmm. and that weight's really easy to lose. And then it's just like fluctuating back and forth for the for the rest of my life. But I definitely yep. am the type of guy that's like. I'm just gonna have a vodka on the rocks, and then like you know, onion rings and mozzarella sticks. And, <laughs> this uh, is where they get you, know, you. That's yeah. Because all, all the willpower goes out the door once there's a few vodkas down the hatch. 
Yeah, I have been really trying to find a concoction that doesn't make me hungry at night, and I what I'm on right now is I drink a bunch of rye whiskey, and then <laughs> I ate an edible last night that knocked me out. So that way I can't so eat. Being <laughs> unconscious is the uh, best diet plan. <laughs> Yeah, if you could just go into a coma, you would be set. <laughs> Give me that light IV. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so check it, check out Tim's podcast, The Sloppy Boys. If you uh, if you're also a cocktail person, we've had Hanford on too, and uh, oh yes. and uh, he's another sloppy boy. But uh, you're fish, also right? Tim. Is, mm-hmm. Yes, he did fish. It was a great time. Uh, but yeah, both, uh, hosts of, uh, of that podcast. And also if you haven't, if somehow you've, uh, you've been on Twitter and not seen Tim's Twitter, it's the, it's tr- me and Tommy have talked about it. Where it's like, Our favorite. Sometimes yeah. the only thing I keep that fucking app for, because <laughs> it's, it's one of the few accounts that, uh, is just funny all the time. Oh, um, thank you. I, I appreciate that. It's, it's for me, it's like this old. It's like a different world. I feel like I like see red while I'm writing tweets and like I don't even identify. I'll read some back and be like, that's fucking disgusting. <laughs> I wrote that. It's like not me whatsoever. Uh, so that's why I go on the app too to see what I wrote. Uh, uh, beautiful. So uh, let's, by the way, I uh, I'm, I feel like a... Uh, I gotta shake it off. I just did a fucking Zoom stand-up show that didn't have an audience. Like, oh, the worst. You couldn't see anyone. Like, it was just me and uh, friends of the show, Chris Calagero and Emily Winter, but they were hosting it, and I could only see them, and it was like, I just feel crazy right now. Nothing makes you feel worse than... <laughs> Tom, I, I might have told you this one before, but I did this, the worst one I did, I did a Zoom show and it was a theme show where the theme of it was you do your stand-up set and then a licensed therapist asks you questions, like analyzes you based off your stand-up <laughs> set. So I did that on a Zoom show with no audience. So not only did I not get laughs, I also got like a therapy. <laughs> yes, exactly. And I was just sitting there and it was like a 45 minute show and I was just sitting there like, this is the worst possible way I could be spending my time. <laughs> it's so weird to not get any response i i I, Mm. uh i don't do stand-up but i pitch a lot of tv shows that don't sell and when you're when you're like i'll pitch to uh everyone's got their turns their a lot of people turn their cameras off but everybody's sound is off and i'll fully be like flop sweat thinking i bombed and then afterwards i'm like that was great and and i'm like i have i have no idea there's no way of knowing but then they didn't yeah. buy the TV show, so I definitely bought it. <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of TV it's, shows, it's a member of the band we're talking about today was yes. in the greatest show of all time, yes. Lily Hammer. And, That's right, um, Malcolm in the Middle. <laughs> <laughs> <Damn it>. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I feel like an idiot since you since we're starting with this. So we're talking about the E Street Band. I think this is a great pitch. Uh, our our friend uh, Kevin uh, Lobkovich asked me the other day at, at the very Canal Bar if I was a big Springsteen guy, and I had to admit that I I am not. But it's not for uh, that I listen and hate it. It's just something that I've kind of missed. Mm-hmm. And then I had no idea that uh, Stevie Van Zant was fucking uh, Silvio on Sopranos. So wait, you you knew Stevie Van Zant just separately? Like you, I just like I mean I would recognize him like I could I've I've seen him but I even knowing that I looked at his picture today and I was like oh my god yeah. like it just clicked because <laughs> he's always wearing like a bandana in every mm-hmm. picture and he looks like a totally different guy well, he has that sad kind of thing like um I think you know how the Edge from U two uh, has been wearing a hat forever and he's bald and he doesn't want to show it well Stevie mm-hmm. will not admit I read an interview. Where someone was like, you know, you could just take the bandana off. No one cares that you're bald. And he was like, are you kidding me? I got I to wear this bandana to hold back my mane because it's so big. Um, and then, I don't know. Did you did you watch um, uh, the, the Sopranos movie, uh, Many Saints of Newark? With the toupee? I have not watched it yet. I have not watched yeah, they, it Yeah, they had I like a to. little jab uh, where they had young Silvio was bald and had a comb over. So they're kind of <laughs> winking to the audience that, that, that like, well, young Silvio was bald. So whatever whatever Stevie wants to say about full-grown Stevie. But it was quite scandalous. <laughs> Did you ever listen to uh, Little Steven's Underground Garage? Yeah. 
Oh, I love. I that. used to love that when I was uh, when I was in Chicago. I'd be driving around and I would just listen to it on XRT like every Sunday. And I thought that it like made me love him forever. Besides everything else, but I was he's such a big really fan of that. into it. Like these little garage rock bands and kind of I like that world of of like nuggets, like one one hit wonders from the '60s and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And he, uh, uh, I I love. It. I was listening to it once when Bruce was there and and um Southside Johnny uh and, and like just to hear these like old guys they, it's like out of a movie where they're still going on and on about like a a 45 from 1961 they're like oh yeah baby that was the best and it's like <laughs> they still just can live in that year you know like uh it's unbelievable like baby boomer's ability to just like tune out the last 50 years <laughs> Uh no, but I I listened to him on uh the movies that made us today, and he just seemed like a very cool guy. I don't know, I I just randomly like I just looked up E Street Band on podcasts, and I was like, let me see if I can find anything weird. And it's just him going over his ten favorite movies of all time or something, and it's like bizarre. But they like they go through his catalog of all the shit he did. He just wrote a book not too long ago, yeah. I guess, mm-hmm. too. And uh, yeah, he's like he's so accomplished, and he was like. Yeah, I could have been like directed episodes of Sopranos and written if I wanted to. It's just that I was busy with the band and like uh, David Chase just put up with it, which was because he was a fan or something. I think that, uh, Stevie cool. was originally auditioning to be Tony. And yes, he didn't get that he role. T- that's fascinating. That's he tells the story. Show. Not only did he not get the role, he recommended that they go with Gandolfini. They were, wow. he was like auditioning and he that. was like, he had been reading for it and he was like, no, that's the guy. Like he's clearly better. And maybe that's like uh, him, like trying to in retrospect do that. But it, <laughs> I, cause it's much easier to be like, no, I, it was my idea. <laughs> does, he al- does he also say like, I told Bruce that he should be the leader of the band. <laughs> <laughs> I told Spotify they should go with band splain. <laughs> that's our rival podcast anyway uh, <laughs> so no, uh, so uh, you uh, not being a uh well you said you're not a big springsteen guy but is it because because i had to be converted and i feel like i grew up thinking of bruce i kind of equated him with like uh, garth brooks or something like that i think i only knew mm-hmm. the born in the usa kind of like yes flag waving fist yeah. pumping guy and i was like when I was a kid, I was like, that's not, that's kind of square for me. And then, yeah. like, as an adult, I flipped, and now Bruce is my favorite thing on earth. Mm. Damn. So it is kind of like that where I did grow up born, yeah, born in the USA. I, I kind of thought the same thing. And then he feels like one of those guys where the catalog is like overwhelming a little bit yeah. or something. Like, I need the right playlist. And you gave a playlist today that's not all him, but the songs I heard, I mean, obviously, Born to Run, I had heard before, but like some of the other songs on here, I had not heard, and I was like, "Oh, I am into this." Like i I liked that, so I was like, "I think I could, I could see myself getting in." I just need the right playlist. It's a huge career, and that's daunting. I have the same thing where, like, I got into the Grateful Dead only in the last few years, uh, but I remember the feeling of that being like so overwhelming that I'm like, I don't care. I don't want to find my my way in. And then what it did for in that sense uh, with the Grateful Dead, it was like Spotify just has so many live shows that I could just like put them on and not have to worry about whether it was the right one or wrong, whatever. So, and it took, it kind of like, uh, I did need to still hear the right stuff, but Bruce, there's a weird thing about Bruce where he's just like, so ubiquitous. He's so, you know, it's like, he has a, he has a podcast with Barack Obama (laughs) It's saying you like Bruce is like saying you like water or something. So it's um, he it to me it is like a person that's easy to not like if if you're like a contrarian like me. Mm-hmm. I was definitely like that in college because I went to school in Massachusetts and everyone was from New Jersey, Massachusetts, New York. So everyone was obsessed with Bruce, yeah. and it was like the thing where someone would put on the party and everyone would scream along, and it made me like hate Bruce for a while, and sure. then like. Two years out of college, I saw Bruce play at Wrigley Field, and it was like literally the best concert I've ever been to. And I was like, "Oh, okay, I get it now," and it oh, just totally changed it for me. That's great. That's the, that's the perfect uh, way in. I bet I bet that was a great show. Yeah, yeah and it, it definitely lives it, up to oh. the hype of like everyone saying like, "Oh, you got to see it live," which can be annoying to hear, and then you actually do see, it, and you're mm-hmm. like, "Oh yeah, I'm an idiot. Uh, you well, do have to see it live." 
everyone I talked to, I feel like a bunch of people I knew went to see him. He was he did the, that Broadway run, right? Mm-hmm. And like a, a bunch of people were like, "Yeah, that's the best thing I've ever seen in my life." So yeah, I went to that, and and it really is, it really is special, and it really is amazing. But then also the weird thing about that is like that's pretty serious, like troubadour Bruce, and and he's kind of waxing poetic. I think if you see a show with the E Street Band stuff, there's a sense of uh, fun. You know, it's like a fun party band, and he's funny. He like is like goofing around and like you know, like shaking his butt and taking his shirt off, and like it's a silly show. <laughs> and I think that that helped me a lot when I see that this guy's like, does he think he's like John Steinbeck or something? You know, like that <laughs> kind, of, kind of turned me off a little bit. But he's a goofball. He's still shaking his booty, but in a solemn way on the Broadway yeah. show. You know? yeah. yeah, yeah. Like during the Ghost of Tom Joad, it's just like a slow, <laughs> the cheeks back and forth very slowly, <laughs> reverently, uh, in, in, you know, revering the Dust Bowl era. Um, yeah, I'm trying to think of what else. I, yeah, I guess the other thing is uh, Max Weinberg was my only other real yeah introduction to them which was because i loved conan so much back in the day and then when he would be gone he'd be gone because he'd be touring with bruce and i was like i was like fuck bruce (laughs) (laughs) hang out over here man (laughs) he's getting in the way of of max being on that's funny now that i think i was a huge conan fan before i got into bruce so i would definitely would have known max first from the max weinberg seven and he's so i mean he plays like this uh, on conan he was like a quiet perv <laughs> was you like the- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so it was been funny to see him be like yeah to do his thing and be like oh shit he's uh he's an amazing drummer mighty max yeah, they called him back in the what's, day what's that? <laughs> mighty max they say <laughs> uh yeah i i like that is an element of uh of conan like i the old conan was just so defined by that and it's like it's I feel like the TBS show is kind of missing. Who does he have on TBS? Did he have? A, I mean, he must have had it was a the band, Jimmy right? Vivino band, right? That's he, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, it was. It was the Jimmy. I, but I do like the right. default. I was thinking back on how it's like Max isn't very charismatic. So then Conan found this great thing where I was like, oh, I'll just act like he will have his. We'll make like allusions to him like going to porn theaters in New York or like he's kind of like a <laughs> sleazy guy. And then the announcer back in those days was that guy Joel. And then, mm-hmm. and then the bit became, with him became like, oh, and he's a pervert, and he's a, yeah, he's a huge pervert. <laughs> so it was just like you can see the writers be like, how can we make somebody funny? Uh, make him a pervert. <laughs> it worked on me, and it worked. It worked. The I remember that just like brought a flash of like the bit of like them him hanging out with Max, and it's just them wine drunk. Yeah, um, it was just a flash of like him being that. Yeah. Oh man, what a great. Now I want to go back and watch those, but let's oh, instead um, <laughs> let's instead listen to <laughs> a little bit of uh, this playlist you sent us. So, uh, like you said, uh, we all know, um, or most people, I guess, uh, would think of Bruce as obviously great. No need to defend him, even in an appreciation episode. We don't fully need to do that, but uh, the E Street Band is not getting quite their due. So let's, uh, you sent us a playlist here that, that highlights them a little more than just Bruce. And, uh, right off the bat, is there an order you want to go in here? I put him, I, I had a little agenda, uh, and I, and the order <laughs> I sent him to you. Oh, no. Uh, I list- is this the liberal agenda I've been hearing about? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You've been hearing about it, but you're completely unaware of what the politics are. Yeah, what is it exactly? <laughs> what is it? Oh. Well, this this will be very eye-opening for you. <laughs> um, I, I think uh, a nice way in is a nice safe one is, is Born to Run. Yes. Okay, so let's hear some of Born to Run. I'll, just, I'll start it right at the top here. Here is Born to Run. Pretty good. <laughs> Enough That's said. all you need. <laughs> um, well, no, the the uh, the the my agenda with this one was to, to say this is like I guess the iconic flagship signature song, and most people, everybody knows it, and and uh, people don't, you know, it, it's hard to even, you know, whatever. It's like one of the biggest hits of all time. But what I was going to say is to the Bruce, to people that 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 are hater don't give the E Street band their due. 
I wanted to point out that this uh, this riff that you know so well, you might uh, think it, that was uh, Bruce coming up with that, but that actually was an assist by little Stevie Van Zandt. Ah, wow. He was in the studio, and then Bruce had some weird riff that was like it had like a like a real sour bendy note at the end of it, like almost like cartoonishly and ended on a bad, it was like, darn, darn, darn. But he credits Stevie. Squamp. Stevie like stepped up to the board and was like, no, 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 Bruce, here's what you do. You got to go. And so that, you know, you're probably thinking Bruce is the one to thank for all this, but little Stevie got his little mitts in there. And there's lots of examples of that with throughout, you know, like he credits them separately and it's always like Bruce, but like they're a band band and there's collaboration going and they do like they get to write their parts in the arrangements and stuff like that. So so they're doing the thing. And even the podcast with Obama, a lot of that is kind of Stephen's thoughts. That yeah, I, that's him. That yeah, he's, that, yeah. he's in there. Yeah. If you listen to the show, you notice a lot of time Bruce will say like, can you hold on one second? <laughs> you hear somebody whispering in his ear. <laughs> No, I totally Stevie. have a thought. I'm in this conversation right now. Just one, hold on. I'm getting a phone call from, but I am totally in this. The Can I go to the bathroom for a couple minutes? <laughs> <laughs> listeners go to the bathroom and they come back and they're like, oh, that was a very good political insight. <laughs> uh, it's, I was, I was reading, a, I, when I searched for, uh, controversy with the e street band the only thing that really came up was about uh the rift between stevie van zandt and and bruce where he he left in like what 84 or something mm-hmm. before yeah the major like the huge success and he claimed that it ruined he was like yeah it ruined my life <laughs> like i had to start <laughs> completely over uh i was a fucking idiot <laughs> like it was not did smart. he think he was gonna be a big pop star so I guess that what happened was that he felt like he was being big brothered a little bit by uh, by Bruce, sure. and like he used to be somebody that Bruce really listened to, and then his management team kind of stepped in, and he felt like he was listening to them more than than uh, Stevie, and he was like, "Fuck that! Like I don't like the direction you're going in with like this like mainstream America shit," and then. It was, of course, a huge backfire because yeah. he put out his solo album like right around the same time that uh, the '84 Springsteen uh, album came out. And, like, <laughs> could you imagine obviously... trying to like be touring or uh, and, and like at the same year that Born in the USA is happening and you're <laughs> not involved? And then when Stevie came back, it's it's funny because Bruce replaced him with uh, Nils Lofgren, and then Stevie came back. And Bruce kept Nils in the band too. So it was just like, mm-hmm. that's got to be weird. Just like two guys, yeah. huge ego, axe slinger dudes have to stand next to each other and play. That's so bizarre. That's just like me and Tommy. I know. Two axe slingers. It was just Tommy. <laughs> it's Miami, Bruce Miami, Tommy. And, uh, <laughs> 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 that is something I have to find about the E Street Band that I love. I love that they all have silly nicknames, and I don't think bands do that anymore, and I think they all should have nicknames. Oh, I love I love that. Yeah, when there's like um, – like Roy Bitten is kind of dorky, so uh, Bruce is like the professor. <laughs> the professor. <laughs> <laughs> professor Roy uh, I also, yeah, I read that. Um, that was also because he was the only one who graduated college, which is such oh, a classic. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, Major Mr. Dirty professor. Dirty. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's like I had heard that uh, little Stevie was, had been Miami Steve because he went to Miami once. It's not like he's from there. <laughs> They're yeah. all from New Jersey, and he went to Miami, and they came back, and they're like, well, well, well. Ooh, big Miami. <laughs> okay. And the oh. Clarence Clemens nickname is, I, I have no idea how they could come up with big man. But, yeah, <laughs> but, uh, must be some inside joke. From, yeah. from <laughs> and that's why we call him Epstein Island Tommy. Uh, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Let's uh let's hear another song here. So the next one you gave us, this is not this is not from I mean this is a uh, uh, Bruce song, right? But this is not. me this is me being sneaky here again on with you. You sneaky. <laughs> <laughs> Every time I'm doing a full sneak attack. But do, do you have um uh the St. Valentine's Day massacre? 
By the Twilight Zones? Yes, I do. I've got that loaded up right here. The St. Valentine's Day Massacre from the Twilight Zones. So here they are. Guys, have you ever seen the flop failed movie Not Fade Away by David Chase? I did see oh, it, I and not. I remember really liking it. Um, and then I saw this song in the playlist, and I didn't remember it. And then I looked up on YouTube. I was like, oh, that's what that's from. Yeah, it was like I like that movie too. I think it was just probably like straightforward boomer nostalgia, uh, and it didn't like break through the noise, but. It's about this like 60s teenage garage rock band kind of going almost like that thing you do or something like that. But David Chase, it's like based on his teenage years and, and stuff. And he's obviously like a huge music fan. So all the music in there is like cool and very research and stuff. But like when it gets to the big scene where where the the band that you've been watching this movie like they're auditioning for a record label and then they, they get to play their big song and it's this song, the St. Valentine's day massacre. And I think they're, it's like mid sixties or, or late sixties by the time they're playing this. And I remember watching the movie in theater and being like, this song is really good. And it's a really good choice. Cause it's like it, the hardest thing. I mean, you know, it more from like when there's like a comedian in movies, but it's so hard when something in a movie, when something's supposed to be objectively good, you know, like, <laughs> It's like Studio 60 on the Sunset Strip when, when like mm-hmm. the, the comedy sketches are good and everyone's like, these comedy sketches are, <laughs> are good. Um, it's the hardest thing to pull off or like Tom Hanks in uh, Punchline. Or Punchline. Whatever. And yeah. I, so I always like perk up in a, in a movie when someone is trying to show like they want us to agree that something's good. So when, so when they play this song, I was like, it is, it's a good song and it's like a forward thing. It sounds a little more early seventies, uh, in the composition to me and like sixties production. So I just left the movie theater being like, that was a really good song. I'm gonna look it up. I wonder who wrote it. <laughs> little Stevie Van Zandt. Little wow. Stevie Van that Zandt. little fucker. <laughs> little piece of shit. David Chase's old buddy wrote the song. And so, and I was like, that's, you know, that's the, the writing. I, I know I like Stevie as a guitar player and stuff like that, but 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 uh, to be like, oh, this guy is also he can do the Bruce thing too. He can write music and then it's performed by who knows. I probably just like session people in Hollywood that recorded this, but like that's a talent that I didn't know Stevie had. That like he could, he was he's like a Bruce esque writer as well. He had yeah, originally. I, I like that song a lot. He auditioned oh, to play James Gandolfini's son in that movie. And uh, <laughs> they said, why don't you write a song instead? And then it was his idea. He was like, you know what? He no. was, that guy's good. <laughs> Most movies in Hollywood, I think that Little Stevie is kind of uh, consulting on the casting at this point. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This guy's good. That's him. That's your guy. That is him. He was supposed to be Jack and Titanic. <laughs> he was like, no, that's your guy. This Leonardo Leo. fella. I like this Italian guy. Italy Leo, we'll call him. <laughs> have, have, have Italy Leo. Um, have, I have never seen even one second of Lilyhammer. Have you guys? I have not. I just always remember no. it as like the Netflix big first big push. I remember first big push, and you would have never. It's so funny now knowing that Netflix is what it became. Yeah. Their first right. big show was that. And I just remember the billboards, my favorite tagline ever, that was like, a New Jersey mobster in Norway? <laughs> <laughs> like, like we're supposed to be seeing that billboard and like swerving off the street. Like, Holy shit. <laughs> I thought it would be, he would be in New Jersey. <laughs> now that we... I mean, now that you've told me that premise, I'm yeah. popping this thing on the second <laughs> we're done here. Are you kidding me? 
Well, I do think the, the 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 tagline for Sopranos was a New Jersey mobster in New Jersey. In New, in New Jersey. <laughs> <laughs> that's where he's supposed to be. Um, that's uh, <laughs> I did not know what Lily Hammer was till this very day, and uh, now I'm now I'm intrigued. So we have a uh, oh wait before we get to our uh, segment that I want to do. Uh, um, I did find when I looked up uh, controversy, I found one other thing that was also about <laughs> about Van Zant, and it was that it, this is a, a headline that says Stephen Van Zant was addicted to Menage a Trois. <laughs> um, I heard about this. <laughs> this is such a weird specific audition, uh, like addiction. Uh, he's uh, this this article from uh, We Got This Covered dot com. Where we get all of our news. Yeah, that's my this... homepage. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the 70s was quite a quite wonderful time to be alive, and E Street Band guitarist Stephen Van Zandt does not beg to, get to differ. In his new memoir, Unrequited Infatuations, the Sopranos actor describes his love affair with the decade, as well as the interesting arrangement that caught his eye amid Springsteen's te- rise to stardom. <laughs> caught his eye. The menage a trois. Yeah, the <laughs> arrangement. Wait a second. Oh, that'll, that, that piques my interest. <laughs> <laughs> it says he fell in love with threesomes over the 70s to the point where he would consider the iconic thruple arrangement a temporary addiction as he writes in his new book uh he expo- uh he spoke exclusively with page 6 of women the 70s and the life he led during that one wild and beautiful ride um yeah he keeps he keeps going on about how it, it's just a perfect arrangement uh which is uh <laughs> which is one man and uh and uh, of course two women uh seems to be what he's talking about of course, but, uh, I'm sure he would specify. He seems like the type of guy that's like, no, yeah. wait, there's no dudes getting in there. No. Look, this is a perfect arrangement. Now, of course, in a pinch, I was so addicted that any combination of three would do. But Isn't this funny? Uh, I, this is like a new PR thing when you write, you come out with a memoir and you need that one. Because Will Smith's book, like the big story was like, oh, there was a time where he barfed every time he came right? oh yeah like, i forgot, oh, I about, forgot that. about that orgasm he, he, he like missed his girlfriend so much that orgasms made him ill um and then or, or even like like uh, the one know, he was gonna kill his dad or whatever <laughs> that one was insane i think and then uh, like carly simon had an autobiography where it was like she revealed that you know, your Sylvain is about Warren Beatty and i think we knew that forever but like you you write a whole you can write a 500 book 500 page book about your life but then you still need like one tweet tweetable yep. thing to say about it so stevie was <laughs> like i guess threesomes yeah what about threesomes that's everybody yeah. finds that good right yeah. we good <laughs> unless maybe i'm wrong maybe you read the book and it's just only about threesomes <laughs> <laughs> and these chicks i'm talking about they're beautiful oh. <laughs> and then i learned that what I really needed to become comfortable with was a onesome. <laughs> the end of the book. That's, that's the last sentence of the book. That's the last. <laughs> so sweet. What a sweet guy. I needed to learn to love to just me. Menage a uh, un. Uh, all right. So I teased it a second ago. We do have a segment to get to before we go to our next song, which is that we go to our friend and foe of the podcast, our resident snob, Jared Thompson, the owner of the Comedy Attic in beautiful Bloomington, Indiana, who, uh, who of course did have thoughts about the E Street Band. Uh, oh, this is maybe his shortest one yet. Uh, here's, here is, uh, here's Jared. What's up, y'all? It's this week's they went to Jared. The boys are going to have an appreciation e- episode of Bruce Springsteen and the E Street Band. I'm actually uh, at Disneyland right now at a super spreader event, um, and we're in queue uh, for the Indiana Jones ride. You might hear spooky little things in the background, but nothing spooky about Bruce Springsteen and the E Street Band. They were just a great, or are, I guess, a great united states american rock and roll band i will say as much as i love them and i do i kind of get that not everyone loves them i guess what i mean is is that it's like 
you know, it can be a bit much. The songs are long. But if you love them, then you love them. And I saw them in concert, and it was a lot of fun. And um, I just think that, especially when you when you look at most of the best bands in history were from England, they're certainly, if not on the Mount Rushmore of best bands in the history of the U.S., certainly they'd be on the top ten or so. Anyway, all right, I'll talk to you guys later. All right, that was Jared. You hear, you heard it here. Uh, USA, USA. Um, I was, I, I couldn't canceled. hear any of that because I was too scared by the spooky sounds. Of <laughs> yeah, that was, that was scaring the sh- absolute. I, I shit my shit pants multiple me. times. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think you made a good point that it's, uh, it's a, it's a, a rare, great classic American band. Um, let's hear another song. Um, so next up on your playlist here, we have, I am loading it up here. Uh, again, not a, uh, Bruce Springsteen song. Uh, instead we're oh. going. This, this is one more. This is my last of the weirdies. Then I'm going to bring it on home. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but, but this, this is, this is uh, what you're hearing here is a song written by Bruce. Fantastic song because the night, mm-hmm. but, but mm-hmm. this is the Patty Smith. You know, she had a hit with it. Bruce wrote it, gave it to Patty. Patty Smith had a big hit. I love this song. I love Patty's performance, but when you're listening to the band, it, it ain't the E street band. So, so, I'm using this to elaborate that it would have even been better with the magic, the the the, the sweet tones of the street <laughs> band. So you're hearing a good song, but could have been better if this band wasn't so middling. That's right. Okay, so listen to this and know that it kind of fucking sucks. <laughs> this is a hatchet job that we're listening. Like it, to. but don't love it. I. Was I was just about to be like, I fucking love this song so much. <laughs> I love it. Oh, I love it. I absolutely but love just, it. But now all I can hear when I listen to it is the absence of greatness. <laughs> so <laughs> there's no Stevie. Here's because the night. God, that fucking sucks. God, I'm falling asleep oh. over here. Jesus, <laughs> just listen to this Butterfingers on the piano. <laughs> <laughs> sure, Patty's good. Oh, of course. It's just pissing me off. <laughs> I can't. I can't take much more of this shit. <laughs> This does rock pretty hard. Bush and League. <laughs> I, you know, what's funny is I didn't actually do my research. As far as I know, that might be Max on drums or whatever. I don't, I don't have no idea. <laughs> that was my last of the tricky ones, okay? The sneak attacks are over. <laughs> we can um, finally I, rest. There was a funny that's story. That's what he wants us to think. <laughs> yeah, it's all sneak attacks. Um, no, that reminded me, though. Did, did you ever hear about the story with uh, the Ramones and Hungry Heart? Um, no, Bruce, Bruce met the, Bruce loved the Ramones, met them, was like, you guys are cool. I'm going to write a song for you. And then he wrote hungry heart and they liked it and they were going to do it. And then he changed his mind, uh, cause he liked it too much and he took it back and, uh, and recorded it and had his first top 10 hit single with it. So like, uh, Joey Ramone. Like they like never talked again, and they hated him for, for wow. decades after that because he went Holy back on his word. Shit. Damn, that's tough though, because it's like it is his song. Like, yeah, man, but it's also such a Brucey song. It's it, it's, it's. I can't picture of, the Ramones yeah. version at all. <laughs> like yeah. trying to, yeah, yeah. Oh man, that's wild. Well, fuck the Ramones. Uh, <laughs> they don't got fuck they the Ramones and fuck Patty Smith's band. Yeah, fuck <laughs> them. <laughs> And fuck those spooky sounds that Jared... Mm -hmm. uh, I'm not going to be able to sleep tonight. (laughs) Um, All right. (laughs) So uh, I believe the rest of the songs on this playlist are are, uh, from 
uh, Bruce Springsteen. This yeah. next one, actually, yeah, two of uh, two of them coming up here. I had not heard before, and I loved them both. I was really into both oh, these songs. Yeah. And I was listening to him. So, as you know, uh, Tim and, I'm, and Tommy has posited this theory. There are like six ways to listen to music. Uh, <laughs> there's like walking on the street. Mm-hmm. There's uh, lounging in your home. Mm-hmm. There's exercising. There's uh, doing the dirty deed. Uh, your <laughs> uh, there's, um, but I discovered. I discovered a seventh way today, which is cleaning your bathroom. Mm. <laughs> and um, while I was cleaning the bathroom, how I did all these turds head. get in here? What, the <laughs> <laughs> what is this? <laughs> what is this room? <laughs> it's so cursed. I hate this room. <laughs> 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 I was doing that while listening to uh, Rosalita, which was I was fired up. So let's let's go ahead oh, yeah. and uh, give the. And if you guys want to clean your bathroom right now, that's <laughs> you'll experience it the way that I did. So start it up right now. Oh yeah. Such a great song. Yeah. Just yeah. makes you want to bust out the Clorox and the Ajax and get <laughs> scrubbing, man. Get that grout. Uh, you're going to be trying to scrub away hairs that you don't know what they even could have come from. Um. <laughs> um, it's like, uh, yeah, so that that's my favorite era. And that's what like really got me into Bruce. That's like from 1973. And I feel like everyone knows the kind of like, slow steady 80s kind of like bozo rock and i like that stuff too admittedly Mm -hmm. but there's something really light on its feet about this early 70s stuff that's like a nine minute song and it's got so many parts and they're just like they're going nuts everyone in the band is like full bore the whole time it's so much fun the rollicking track it's rollicking that was just a great time and i love the i love the song i love what it's about and i love the the way it's delivered, it's it's a good time. It's a weird thing. Like, um, I I actually am kind of like a, a a pop music fan of like current music, but even even if you're not an old man like lamenting the death of rock and roll, there's still something lost to. We're in like a Pro Tools era where even you know mm-hmm. like you don't if you the songs that we hear now they're just like they were they're the project files and and the drums even if they're real drums they're looped and even if it's a real band they're playing one at a time and the whole thing's very produced and there's that that intangible inhuman thing that's like a, a song like Rosalita that's like they're all in the studio and they're all playing and the, and that that's like a take you know they were like take four is the one put it on the album and we're not we don't like we'll never have that again even with cool rock bands like that is a waste of time to have everybody play at the same yeah. time. And the like, that's what you're hearing there is like, Oh, they're like, that's like seven guys rocking out together on the album. It's bizarre. It was so cool. And, uh, get back when, when they would be playing, uh, the Beatles, they would just have that mm-hmm. on the bottom mode flash. This is the recording you hear on the album. I'd be like, Holy shit. Every time that's just like, that's Dude, the one on the album. Damn. It's so cool. That that text like gave me goosebumps every time right? I did that. Yeah. Like, this is the take. I was like, Oh, the take. Yeah, Mom, Dad, this is I haven't game. gotten to that point yet. <laughs> I'm only five hours in. I haven't gotten there yet. <laughs> oh, yeah. Ooh, you're only at the tip of the iceberg. Call me at twenty. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
No, I I want to finish it. Antonia had no, my fiance had zero patience for that. <laughs> we watched like an hour and a half or two hours, and I was like, "This is so cool," and she was like. Let's watch the fucking Bachelor. <laughs> like, this, <laughs> <sucks>. <laughs> this band sucks. Oh, what the you hell? Gotta stick with it because eventually, you know, Ringo gives everyone a rose. <laughs> <laughs> You're still in the band. Um, um, all right, uh, let's hear another song here. So I, I hope I found the right version of this. It says studio outtake, but yep, uh, it, it rocked. So I think it's got to be it. This song is called Thundercrack. I hadn't heard this one either. Rarity. It is like eight minutes, eight and a half minutes, so I I could skip forward here a little bit. That's cool as hell. See that? That's I didn't know Bruce sounded like that. I didn't know, and that's that E Street band, man. Yeah, and that's the thing. It's like it's it's like lighter, and it's like jazzy, and it's all over the place. And I, uh, yeah, it's just it's it's so funny that that song again. Yeah, it's like eight minutes long, but it's not even like it's not like it's some epic like saga of a song it's just a little ditty but he just like plays for nine minutes because they're having so much fun and a lot of those early songs are like that where it's like i guess they just had no worries about they didn't think they were going to get on the radio so they didn't care so just like a fun little a fun little rock song is like 12 12 minutes for no reason (laughs) we're playing may as well keep going i love it it was that one another bathroom cleaning song now that one you're gonna oh yeah that thing is gonna fly by (laughs) it's only been one song and i've already cleaned the whole damn yeah, See? now that song will get me like I'll be start scrubbing the kitchen. I'll get out into the garage See, with that. Now song. that's a different type of way of listening. We're gonna have to add an eighth way. <laughs> We're cleaning the kitchen. Um, but so that song is that that's like um was recorded for the same album as Rosalita, but didn't make it onto the album. And it's one that's become like one of my favorites, just because I want I like want to hear every outtake from that era because they're all that good it's just like he came out with his uh, his first and second albums in the same year and and then there's still like dozens of uh outtakes and bootlegs so it's like this guy just was cranked out like 40 songs in 1973 because he was just like insane and had too much talent didn't know what to do with it and honestly everything like i'm biased but like every single one of those outtakes i've heard i like it and it's like oh this is like a new bruce song that's just as good as everything else to me i mean i'm definitely gonna i'm gonna throw on uh these outtakes and stuff tonight while i after i once I get to the level of right before I pass out <laughs> uh, from my concoction of not eating and um, <laughs> weed and drinking, I'm excited to uh, to get to the bottom of all this. I think that's um, um in '73. That era is the original drummer, right? I think that's pre Max Weinberg. I could be wrong. I, th- I think that's Mad you're Dog. Right. Yeah, and and so this is points against Mighty Max that like. Max has that like that that heavy foot like and and big snare like mm-hmm. slow steady sound but I think a lot of the 
the stuff that I like best, Thundercrack and Rosalita, it's when they had like more of a jazzy drummer uh, who was getting a little splashy mm-hmm. with it back there. <laughs> that is uh, well, like exactly what this YouTube comment I read said. And it was like, look, don't get me wrong. I love Mighty Max, but he was never <laughs> like, as jazzy as Mad Dog. <laughs> yes, look, exactly. I think, let's say what we're all thinking. <laughs> Fuck Max. All right? <laughs> Give him to Patty, all right? Let three Patty's of us little... go to New Jersey and kidnap him tonight. That's <laughs> <laughs> oh, right. so mighty now. <laughs> you a seventy-year-old man, you fucking pervert. Conan was right Conan about you, pervert. <laughs> just didn't get the joke at all. <laughs> I watch that show every night just to be disgusted at your perversions. <laughs> I've been building up the confidence to kick your ass for 15 years. <laughs> Tonight's my night. Finally. <laughs> all right, we got one more song. Um, all right, last song on this, and then we have a couple little segments to get to, but the last song here is a, is a hit. You guys are going to know it. This is Dancing in the Dark. Let's hear a little Dancing in the Dark. One of the best. I, I did not realize this was a this, what this song was about until now, and uh, it fucking rules. I had no <laughs> idea that it's like about him not being able to fucking write a hit, and then yeah. it's a fucking hit. It's crazy. He's like sitting around in a mansion, being like, "Man, I gotta write a big hit song. I do. <laughs> I'm just dancing." Though. But I, I, I mean, I think this is the version of. of E Street Band that everybody like knows more, and so, and this song, this is his biggest song on Spotify, um, because it's dancey. I mean, I remember like in my twenties, I remember like going to like an indie club that was kind of dancey that would have been playing like LCD Sound System, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. they played this, and like there were like girls with Karen O haircuts like dancing to this. So I think it it's kind of stayed, it's like canonized as like you know because it's if you have a dance song, it's always going to be like more popular than other stuff, but like. I just think it's cool that the that the, the splashy jazzy seventies band we were just listening to, you wouldn't expect them when Bruce is like, Hey, it's the eighties and I want to have hits. We've been like the kings of the road and like rock and roll dorks like us, but I want to have some AM radio hits. I want to be on MTV. So let's have a drum machine and let's have a synthesizer and let's be cheesy and modern. And the fact that they pulled it off uh, is, you know, think of how many, especially like 60s, 70s, like baby boomer rockers. So many of them just like made fools of themselves in the 80s. Mm-hmm. So the fact that this like is good 80s music is really mm-hmm. impressive. Yeah. I, I mean, mean, I couldn't do that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, as we've been sitting here, uh, I was just thinking, I was like, I feel like Tim could fucking do that. <laughs> but hey, I'm glad you are so modest. But I was like, I bet Tim could pull this fucking. Um, I, I guess I've never really like put, set my mind to it. You know, if I <laughs> if I set a plan, I put it in the Google Calendar. You know, resolution <laughs> time. That's yeah, the hardest. Showing up is half the battle. Just gotta man. stay on um, myself. You got to put reminders in your phone. That's what I do. And then it pops up every day. Yeah. Reminder, Mm -hmm. number one hit, Mm -hmm. billboard (laughs) charts. Question mark? (laughs) I just keep hitting the snooze. (laughs) I do. Since we're never going to talk about Springsteen again, probably, I just want to say that when we're talking about this song, uh, I want to change my clothes, my hair, my face. One of my favorite lines in any song. And the way he sings it, too. It's nothing beats that for me. Um, He has so many little lines like that that stick with me and when i always think of it in thunder road 
he's uh, singing about this girl, Mary, and he's like, you ain't a beauty, but hey, you're all right. You're all right. And I'm like, oh, yeah. <laughs> who has the balls in a love song <laughs> to be like, you ain't a beauty, but hey, you're all right. It's like, and that that that's why I love him. There's a million instances of that, but it's like, that's how you can make something feel real to your listeners. Like there are enough songs about beauty queens. I want to hear about the, the girl who's all right. <laughs> uh yeah that's i love that that's a that's an incredible line um all right we have uh basically two more segments to get here uh we now we've heard the playlist we have to go to the peanut gallery Mm -hmm. we're not we're not the only fucking voices on this planet who do we (laughs) think we are the people who listen to this show have thoughts too and uh some of them have uh, have paid to be on the Patreon and have their thoughts guaranteed to be read. <laughs> so let's get to them. Uh, first off, we have Toby Braithwaite. I, I posted. We're talking about. Uh, <laughs> we're talking about the E Street Band, and uh, Toby Braithwaite says Tommy was hoping for the Sesame E Street Band. <laughs> See, <laughs> <laughs> the hell. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Um, there's another Tommy one here that I didn't get, but not this one. I'll save that one uh, for when it comes up. But uh, Quinn says, if you like Springsteen and the E Street Band, you should check out the Gaslight Anthem. Um, I was right. very into Gaslight have you, have Anthem, 59 Sound. Yeah. Uh, that album is still amazing. I wrote back to it uh, like last year, and it still holds up. That's a great album. And it's kind of like, they were kind of like a Warp Tour band, right? Kind of like yes. they're like like mm-hmm. pop punky Springsteen. Yeah, I like them. Yeah, I think it's um, a good song. Brandon Thompson says a hard hat and lunch pail band with blue collar roots and Max Weinberg is the man. They're tight. Uh, insert Tommy joke here. As the hell? <laughs> <laughs> Do we have to come up with that one? I don't fully <laughs> yeah, get it. Yeah, yeah, Tommy, yeah. say something hilarious right now. <laughs> <laughs> They're putting us to work. Jesus Christ. <laughs> A uh, friend of the show, Max Rappaport, uh, new father and a uh, good man and a uh, 2K friend as well, says, uh, growing up in South Jersey, all my friends' dad uh, dads could belt all the words to the river, but now have Joe Biden and AOC and Chairman Mao hats as their <laughs> Facebook cover photo. <laughs> <laughs> that is very funny. Uh, Nick Percaro says, Incident on 57th Street into Rosalita is the best transition ever. Oh, I agree. Okay. Uh, Dalton Luttrell says Bruce and the E Street Band are all-time legends. I know people sometimes criticize them for not being legitimate working man people, but I don't think it matters. They understand the working class and give them a voice through some of the greatest music of all time. That's fair. I used to think it was funny to do. I I did a bit for a little bit about Bruce Springsteen being like a millionaire. Being like, I put on my work boots every day. <laughs> Gotta get to the construction site. Um, well- he, did you ever hear the song? Um, he has like a 90s song from when he lived in – he briefly moved to Beverly Hills and and put out an album that flopped. And he had a song in there called 57 Channels and Nothing On. And it, I think he had like taken that criticism to heart and was like wrote a song about being a rich guy sitting around watching TV. I guess the Dancing in the Dark has some of that too. <laughs> but it literally like 57 channels and nothing's on. <laughs> like we're complaining, complaining about having cable TV – uh, and then that didn't work. And like immediately after that, he went back to being like, "Oh, I work in a factory." <laughs> if I was uh, if I was Bruce's manager, I'd tell him he's got to update that for the streaming wars. <laughs> you know, yeah. yep. talk about HBO Roku City, Max. <laughs> HBO Max with no ads gets boring too. <laughs> oh yeah, I mean, my tears would be streaming down my face. When I hear that. <laughs> Uh, all right. Brendan Power says Springsteen's most recent book talks about how they hired Jake Clemens to take over for Clarence, mentioning that when Jake first auditioned, he was so unprepared that Bruce pretty much yelled at him and said something along the lines of get your fucking shit together. But hey, it worked. The Springsteen catalog speaks for itself, but Clarence Clemens solo material also slaps. You're a friend of mine is a delight. All right. Could you imagine um, if you're a, a saxophone player, like a professional sax player, and you hear that 
and you're like the best in the world and you hear that Clarence Clemens dies and then the job goes to his nephew who's like <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> just starting out at saxophone. There's there's so mm-hmm. few like b- big jobs for sax players. <laughs> it's all nepotism. This fucking sax. Sax Twitter was going crazy that day. Yeah, it was fucking nuts. I'm trying to think of even one other <laughs> saxophone player. Bill Clinton is all I got. <laughs> <laughs> Bill Clinton. He's, he's like super mad. <laughs> oh damn! <laughs> because he's got Bruce has got Obama on the podcast, and then someone yeah. else on the sex. Clinton is getting shunned in every way. Clinton is not getting shit, dude. Can't even uh, get in on the menage a trois with Stephen. It's a rough time for Ben. You know that 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 sax player Bill Clinton. Did you know he was also president of the United <laughs> States at one point? The guy from the Arsenio Hall show. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, last one from the Patreon here. Uh, Matthew Potter says Tommy wishes it was the P Street. Band. Oh come on! <laughs> three, three of the guns. Uh, that's crazy. <laughs> Uh, hey, look, I I swear I didn't uh, prod these people into doing this. I Maybe over years of subtle <laughs> <laughs> humor that you love piss and underage um, I think that, uh, They've been talking to Conan about you. <laughs> I love it. It's the same yeah, we bit. Just, yeah. We just yeah, yeah, down. Yeah, 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 yeah. We're doing the same bit. <laughs> yeah, yep. <laughs> I put it. Uh, I put it on the Twitter, and one person, uh, this guy Mark, tweeted at his friend, like, "Hey Dan, uh, shoot your shot and say something." And Dan, Big Dan Champion, just wrote, "Where do I start?" Question mark. And then he didn't say anything else. Yeah, <laughs> see, that was your spot. That was the exact place. Yeah, that's where you should start. start. Yeah. <laughs> this is how people fuck place. up sometimes. They're like, oh, where do I start? And it's like, no, that is actually the start. The You're spot. doing it. <laughs> and I, like, faved it, and I was like, well, he'll certainly <laughs> follow up. But yeah. he did not. Here it comes any second. <laughs> Sad. All right, we just have uh, we have a bunch on the Facebook, but I'll I'll just read a few. If you want them guaranteed, get on that Patreon, baby. Uh, all right, uh, Dan Mendenhall says I saw Springsteen around six years ago, and it's still probably the best show I've ever seen. Three plus hours without even taking a break for an encore. Damn. Pete Stegemeyer says one time on International Bosses Day, I bumped into Stevie Van Sant in the Village. I said sorry, and then I said. I guess every day is International Boss Day for you. And he told me to go fuck myself. So that was pretty rad. Is that real? So I have an issue with this story, which is like, did you bring up like, hey, it's International Boss Day? Because that's well, everyone knows. <laughs> that's not a day you have in the calendar. How yeah, not not everyone know? is worshiping on that day. <laughs> no. Um... Aaron Nadell says his eternal snubbing of Chris Christie is one of the funniest things in the world. This is about Bruce, obviously. Uh, Despite heroic efforts by Christie, Springsteen, who is still a New Jersey resident, will not talk to him. They've met twice, once on an airplane in 99 and then at the 22 uh, uh, ceremony inducting Danny DeVito into the New Jersey Hall of Fame, where they exchanged only formal pleasantries. Christie does say that Springsteen was very kind to his children. At concerts, even concerts in a a club-sized venue, the Stone Pony in Asbury Park most recently, Springsteen won't acknowledge the governor. Uh, When Christie leaves a Springsteen concert in a large arena, his state troopers move him to his motorcade through loading docks. He walks within feet of the stage and of the dressing rooms. He's never been invited to say hello. On occasion, he'll make a public plea to Springsteen, as he did earlier this spring, when Christie asked him to play at a new casino in Atlantic City. He says he's for the revitalization of Jersey Shore, so this seems obvious, Christie told me. I asked him if he's received a response to his request. No, we got nothing back from them, he said unhappily. Not even a fuck you. Damn. Damn. Oh, joke was all. I had a good... I think this might be... Oh, wait, we got... Okay, we got, I think, two more. Uh, Joe Quazala says, uh, their induction speeches in 2014 apparently went on for an hour plus. They were scheduled to each talk for about 30 seconds. <laughs> David Sanctus alone talks for over 20 minutes. For many... 
<laughs> for that's many, like that, that, the original the drummer that left the band 30 years ago. That's crazy. <laughs> it's so funny. He said, for many, it ruined the night. Hall and Oates were next. <laughs> and they got a big pop for the first words out of their mouths, uh, which was, aren't you glad there's just two of us? <laughs> <laughs> they canceled the jam that that evening because oh. they ran out of time. <laughs> oh, my God. What's Wait, what's with Joe and Rock and Roll Hall of Fame inductions? He's like obsessed he with loves this, it. Right? He has a he podcast about a the, whole uh, podcast. the Rock Hall, yeah. God. Many have said that very idea came when he was a guest on this show. Oh, Who's to say? Interesting. <laughs> many have said it. <laughs> a lot of people are talking. So how, when you say many, you're like like a hundred thousand, two hundred thousand. Yeah, it's, ballpark it's somewhere yeah. in there. I am not a good. I'm not good at ca- keeping count, but I'd have to guess it's somewhere in there. Uh, or no one ever. <laughs> um, Kevin Bannon says, music that I grew up hearing all around me but didn't really land with me until I was in my 20s. I think you have to do some living for Bruce's music to even re- uh, to resonate uh, effectively. And even then, he's not for everyone. But if you were in NYC for the time surrounding 9-11, or especially if you lost anyone that day, their music was such a pillar of hope in dark times. I've seen him perform on many occasions, and it never gets old. An incredible performer, aspi- uh, inspiring on so many levels um and then leah berman says church so that's um those are the comments on the facebook those are the comments from the peanut gallery that leaves us with only one segment left which is the end of this fucking show uh tim this has been so (laughs) fun and uh now you have your final thoughts on the e street band uh what do you got for us what do you got for me (laughs) These guys rock, these guys roll, mm. these guys got soul, <laughs> and most importantly, they're great, but then I think m- more important than that was that I proved the point well Yes, they're great. And I, <laughs> I presented it kind of like a lawyer who was on a roll with this thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm happy I brought in so many tracks that weren't them and, and that were fake outs, you know, it kind of, uh, it was a really good good move by me. <laughs> I I have to agree. You totally fucked my whole head up. And, uh, <laughs> oh man, East Street will fuck your head, man. <laughs> <laughs> um, I am excited to listen. I'm I am legitimately excited to listen to more Bruce and uh listen to more of the old East Street as well. Let's get them in there too. Uh fuck that Patty track. Uh <laughs> Patty's whack and uh <laughs> um uh, yeah, this was great. We're not even, I mean, this is an appreciation, so we, we don't have to rate the playlist. But, Tim, do you have anything you'd like to plug on the way out here? Ooh, check out uh, my podcast, The Sloppy Boys, wherever you get your pods. Tim, is uh, Birthday Boys streaming anywhere right now? Um, well, on the biggest uh, streaming platform known to man, uh, AMC Plus. Ah, all right. <laughs> is that true? <laughs> Yeah, we slowly uh, fell off of Netflix and everywhere else. And I think you can pay for it on all the places where you would pay for mm-hmm. it. As far as just a subscription, I think like AMC Plus is one of those ones that I have it for free just because I have Spectrum Cable and stuff like mm-hmm. that. So you, you never mm-hmm. know. You might already be paying for it, folks. Check it out. Yeah, it's such a great sketch. Show. I'm such a big fan. Yes. And uh, I remember it makes sense you're on AMC Plus because I remember it used to, they would play Breaking Bad and it would go right into your show and it was that perfect yeah. block on AMC. Mm-hmm. And, and and yeah, uh, Bob is playing Saul in all of our sketches. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, all right. Thank you so much, Tim. And uh, Tommy, what do you, you got anything to plug well, here? Speaking of the Slappy Boys, I'm doing, if you're in New York, I'm doing Mike Hanford's show on Friday night at the BCC. Oh, yeah. Mike Hanford and Friends. Ooh, so come to that. Baby. That's great. Hell yeah. Um, I am going to Chicago uh, next week. I'll be there the 19th through the 23rd. I'm doing uh, my own show at the Lincoln Lodge on the 22nd. Jenna Gephardt's going to open. Um, uh, and then I'll be at Laugh Factory all that week. I'll also be coming up, uh, you know, based on COVID shit. Uh, I'll be in Austin and uh, a couple other places who, you know, uh, Raleigh. Just look at my calendar on my website. But uh, and get on the Patreon. Thank you guys for listening. And uh, thanks again, Tim. And uh, definitely check out the Sloppy Boys. It's so, so goddamn funny. Uh, and uh, and follow Tim on everything. So funny. 
Uh, All right. We will see you guys next week. Keep it crispy. Bye.